Hey, welcome back. Good to have you with us again as we continue looking at culture and the mind of Christ on the Rev John Leach blog podcasts. Let me begin with a question for you. If you've been following through this series since the beginning, and by the way, if you haven't, they're all still there online, so you can go and listen backwards if you want to. As we've gone through this series, we've seen a series of changes, and I wonder which you would vote for as the most damaging to Christian faith. Maybe you would vote for that change from theism to deism in the 16th, 17th century, when when we lost touch with a God who actually does anything, and instead of our Father and our Lord, he becomes the great architect of the universe, but we don't have anything to do with him on a day-to-day basis. Maybe your vote would go for the Enlightenment, when science replaced God as the centre point of that circle of life, the universe and everything that we've used as a kind of motif of we've gone through this. Maybe your vote would go for Nietzsche and his famous saying, God is dead. We've had a lot of choice, haven't we? And we've seen a lot of things which have eroded away at Christian faith over the last 500 years. But none of the above would get my vote. And today, the subject that we're going to be looking at, I believe, has been and continues to be the most damaging effect of culture change on Christian faith. It's a direct result of postmodernism. And today our subject is pluralism. Now, in a nutshell, pluralism is the belief that just as we heard last time postmodernism tell us there is no meta-narrative, there is no big overarching story that, that makes sense of everything, pluralism says in the same way there is no such thing as universal truth. And what is true for me is true for you, for me and it need not be true for you or for anyone else. So when it comes to faith, whatever I happen to believe is right for me and whatever you choose to believe is, is right for you, they need be no... They do not need in any way to be linked to one another. So it's a really big shift. In the past, people attacked Christianity because they didn't believe it was true. And there were often uh, fierce arguments going on. And occasionally people were uh, converted and brought uh, either one way or the other, Christians losing faith or atheists coming to faith. But now 
all that has gone out of the window and nobody's interested in that kind of intelligent debate. It's just a different truth for the few, pe for the few people who happen to believe it. Now, obviously, there are big implications for evangelism. We said last week that under post-modernity, the very worst thing that you can be is intolerant. The worst thing that you can do is try to, uh, quote, proselytize, and we said that that is... Uh, a pejorative term which has replaced the noble activity of evangelism. Now it's proselytizing. And what that is, is trying to say to people, there is a meta-narrative after all, and we know what it is, so let us tell you so that you can buy into it and uh, become Christians or whatever. That is the worst thing you can possibly do in a postmodern society and when it comes to pluralism all debate goes out the window because if someone expresses some views or beliefs pretty much any views or beliefs then you just say well that might be true for you it's not true for me i've got i've got different things that are true for me and that's fine and that's okay so if you want a, an icon for that, the album cover of the Manic Street Preachers album, This Is My Truth, Tell Me Yours. I can tell you what's real for me. I can tell you what I believe in, but I have no expectation that you will or should believe the same as me because your truth will be different. Uh, and so the upshot of that is there is no such thing as true truth. Now let's go back to our circle of life. Pluralism says there is not one circle with someone or something in the centre. There are many circles and what you choose to put in the centre is true for you. Now, once we understand that belief, we can trace its roots right back through history. It's only uh, more recently uh, come to the fore, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But going as far back as uh, Descartes, mind and matter are two very separate things, and religious belief comes under the category of mind. And we're not really that interested in that because as modernism comes along, the only true things are the things that we can prove. And we can't prove religious faith, therefore we, we can just uh, ignore it. And then the final uh, preparation for pluralism, post-modernity, there's no big overarching story, just whatever makes you feel God. Now, in terms of religious faith, pluralism is often expressed in the phrase, all roads lead to God. It doesn't matter what you believe, eventually we will all end up in the same place. You might choose to call God Allah, 
You might choose to call him Yahweh or Krishna or Father. That doesn't matter. It's all the same God. It's just different names. And so we, we've seen the seeds of this idea and the conducive soil in which those seeds have sprouted. So how and when exactly did they grow? Here's a little history lesson for you. We have to go back to the period between 1450 and 1750, what historians call the expansion of Europe. And like most advances in culture, it actually began with technology. We invented something which has changed the world forever. And in the 15th century, what we invented was ships. Big, obviously boats have been around for some years, but big seagoing ships. And so Europeans could sail away and discover new lands, new people, and especially new religions. Now, of course, those early explorers saw it as their job to convert everyone to Roman Catholic Christianity. And so there was a great expansion of the gospel, something which is still going on today through many different mission organisations. If you've seen the, uh, the Jeremy Irons film, The Mission, that's from that kind of period, someone uh, sailing off to South America to convert the natives to Roman Catholicism. But the other side of that, as people encountered new civilizations, they weren't all savages living in mud huts in the jungle. That's the uh, kind of uh, rather unkind caricature. Actually, they discovered some very highly educated and intelligent cultures. And suddenly Christianity was made to feel just a bit narrow and at times a bit cruel, not least because the expansion of the uh, empires often meant enslaving the peoples that they conquered for Christ. Voltaire, the French philosopher, said that he could not believe that millions of Chinese people would be consigned to hell just because they'd never had missionaries convert them to Roman Catholicism. More recently, it's become trendy to regret colonisation, to realise how arrogant we can be in what we call our civilised cultures in the West, to go and try to um, impose our culture on people from different cultures. And also, as we've uh, said before, the rise of tolerance as the great virtue in our culture. And so it became very difficult to believe that Christians had got it right and everyone else had got it wrong. And the idea grew that all religions are the same, really. They'll all get you to God in the end. We must each choose our own path, but we will all end up 
in the same place. I don't know whether you've ever had a holiday in the Lake District, but if you want to climb Scarfell Pike, which I did when I was 18, I think, um, there are lots of ways up. You might go from Wasdale, you could choose to go from Langdale, you could take the corridor route, you could go via Camspout, you could go from Scarfell, you could go via Hardknot. There are lots of routes up there. Each journey will be very different in character. But finally, all of them will take you to that big cairn in the sky. And, and this is pluralism. The belief that any particular religion is right for those who follow it but at the end of the day it really doesn't matter because they all the faiths will get us to God in the end. What are we to make of this? Not least because we are being fed it all the time. In our schools for our kids it is absolutely de rigueur, it is taught and assumed as absolute fact. So I think we need to think more deeply about it if we are to make an intelligent response to it. Because on one level, um, it, there isn't much to argue about. If you believe that all roads lead to God, what is there to argue about it? Just get on with following the road that you've chosen. Now, as we begin to analyse pluralism, the first thing we notice is that there are actually two versions of it. There is unsophisticated pluralism and sophisticated pluralism. And while on one level they're both saying the same thing, they're saying two very different things about that same thing that they're saying. Uh, I probably need to explain that. Let's begin with unsophisticated pluralism, and that actually is very easy to get rid of. It is not in any way a sensible position. It is a bunch of nonsense spouted usually by people who don't know much about any religion and certainly aren't particularly followers of any religion. Unsophisticated pluralism says this, all religions are true, you pick the one you prefer most, it's clearly arrogant for any one religion to claim that it's the only one or any better than any other religion, any more than it's right to say that Wasdale is the right way up Scarfell Pike, or indeed the only way to get up Scarfell, Scarfell Pike. In fact, all religions think they're true and therefore the others are wrong, or certainly the vast majority of them do. And unsophisticated pluralism says, no, uh, everything's right. Now let's, let's take that to bits, shall we? Let's compare two religions. Let's compare Buddhism and Islam. 
Now, Islam says this, there is one God and only one God, and his name is Allah. Islam has a belief in angels. It has a belief in the prophets, and so some who would be familiar to us, Adam, Ibrahim, uh, the Old Testament Abraham, Musa, the Old Testament Moses, Darwood, the Old Testament David, and Isa, the New Testament Jesus. All those are prophets of Islam. There is belief in the Day of Judgment, and you will earn salvation on that day through what you do, through prayer, through pilgrimage, through almsgiving etc and when you get to heaven you will be provided with 72 virgins to enjoy forever I'm not quite sure uh, what uh, women who get to heaven do but anyway so th so that's Islam and and unsophisticated pluralism says yes all that is true if you want to believe that. Now let's compare that with Buddhism. Buddhism is not really bothered about any gods. Life is suffering and we suffer by not getting what we want. And so the way to find peace or nirvana is to stop wanting stuff because you're not going to get it you're making yourself miserable so if you just stop wanting it and be content rather like we said about consumerism uh, a couple of weeks ago then that's the way to find peace the belief in karma what goes around comes around so you try to be good so that good things will happen to you and heaven is enlightenment when you will cease to exist but you will merge like a drop of water merges into the ocean and when that happens you avoid the uh, the karmic rebirth and reincarnation again and again and unsophisticated pluralism would say yeah that's true as well now let's add in a third, let's add in Hinduism. In Hinduism there is not no God, there is not one God, there are 33 million gods. Now what I'm trying to say, in a Newtonian universe, all those cannot possibly be true. There, there is either a God, or there is no God, or there are 33 million gods, or anything else in between. But they can't all be true. It, just logically, it doesn't work. Either heaven is merging like a drop into the ocean, or 72 virgins. It can't possibly be both. And on all sorts of levels, when you compare the paths of different religions, it just makes complete logical impossibility and nonsense to say all these are equally true. 
That cannot possibly be. It doesn't make sense on any level. And it also reinforces the idea that actually every religion thinks it's right and others are wrong. And Christianity, which is often seen as exclusive, is no different, no different from Islam in that at all. Buddha was born a Hindu and he rejected Hinduism and started Buddhism because he believed Hinduism was wrong. It was untrue. So unsophisticated pluralism, which is largely the creation of Western liberals who are trying to be nice and tolerant, logically just doesn't make any sense at all. But what about sophisticated pluralism? And here we have more of a serious issue to deal with. It does have a bit more logic to it. Unsophisticated pluralism says all religions are equally right. Sophisticated pluralism says all religions are equally wrong. Not in the sense that there isn't an absolute something out there. But the ways in which we picture him, it, her, are all as misguided as each other. And there's nothing to choose towards them. We are all groping towards some kind of ultimate reality. But none of us actually has got more of a hold on it than anyone else. We're all groping ignorantly in the dark and we are all equally mistaken about what will finally turn out to be (coughs) um, the reality. And therefore the religion you follow is unimportant. What matters is that we seek our own path Not believing that ours is right where everyone else is wrong, but because it's right for us. That's all that matters. Again, very postmodern feel to that. It it makes me feel good. So it's a bit like that pick and mix counter in Tesco's. You choose the bits you like the taste of, you pass over the others that you don't like. We customise our own religion so that it is true for us but needn't be for anyone else and I can't say my pick and mix bag is right and yours is wrong I can say I've got in my bag what I like as you have in yours and uh, we're going to look next time at um, what postmodern pluralist religion actually looks like So that is sophisticated pluralism, and I can see that that there is a lot more logic to that than there is to unsophisticated pluralism. But again, it's worth exploring a, a bit more. And let me come clean right from the start and say, yes, Christianity is an exclusivist or a particularist religion. The difference is it has never pretended not to be. 
Christians read the Bible and they believe that that is the revelation of God. We're not groping in the dark. He has told us what he's like. He's told us how he wants us to live. He's told us how he wants us to be in relationship with him. And we are left in no doubt that there is one way to God and one only. Now that's a massive stumbling block in a pluralistic age but but we cannot get away from that if we are in any sense faithful to scripture a couple of examples acts 412 a sample of the preaching of the first christians preaching you remember in a pluralistic age where there were lots of uh, roman gods and greek gods and what have you Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Ephesians 2.12 Remember that in the past you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and without hope and without God in the world. Remember this is written to a load of pagan Greeks. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Uh, Jesus himself in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I could go on, but you get the idea. We might feel free to make up what we think we'd like the bible to say but this is what it actually does say and throughout the old testament the thing that has led israel astray more than anything else is that they have worshipped false gods they have tried to follow a path of faith which is not the one revealed to them by yahweh now that begs the question why shouldn't one be right and the rest wrong we we poo poo that nowadays and we think it's uh, it is exclusivist and, and what have you um uh, when i was teaching in school recently i asked the kids what's the cube root of 27 and they um <laughs> they had to think for a bit actually but finally they told me it was three and i said yeah but i feel it should be 41 and and they said, well, you're wrong. It isn't 41. And I said, no, but I like 41. I, I just feel that's the right answer. And they were absolutely insistent um, that I was wrong. And I did say to them a piece of advice. You know, when you're doing your maths GCSE, don't put down what you think you would like the answer to be. <laughs> just put down um, the one that it actually is. There is no logical reason why a religion cannot be mistaken. And if that is true, why is it arrogant to say, I believe this is the right one, as sincere followers of any faith would say? And here's a double-edged sword. Why is it not arrogant for pluralists to say that their opinions are right? 
and adherents of other faiths are not. So Christianity is unapologetically an exclusive religion, as the others are, and it's not arrogant to believe that. We we might have come to it through careful research, long meditation, examination of the results of this belief. Does this faith do people good? Does it do the world good? We may have come like St Paul through a convincing personal experience. But in the light of that, let's come back to that question. Do all roads lead to God? And and so far, I've said absolutely not. And there's no reason to think they do. But as we come to the end, I just want to say, uh, well, actually, that's not quite true. And I want to say, do all roads lead to God? And I want to say yes and no. Now, first of all, what do we mean by a road? The path of extinguishing all human desires? The path of regular prayer and giving and pilgrimage? A life of detachment and meditation from the real world? Or life in all its fullness because we know ourselves forgiven through the self-sacrifice of God come to earth? What do we mean by path? And what do we mean by God? One of 33 million? The Trinity of Father, Son and Spirit? One God only, whether Yahweh or Allah? Or no good God, only his teacher, Buddha? Do we have a God who loves us and cares for us? Do we have a divine spirit who's unknowable? Do we have an angry God we have to appease through sacrifice? Do we have a cruel taskmaster who demands that we live our life right in every detail? So that question, do all paths lead to God, is not an easy one to answer. And as a Christian who basically trusts the Bible, I certainly don't believe it on, on one level. But I also want to say, because um, there's a bit of a pluralist in me, I want to say no and yes. And what I mean by that is this. I do believe that all roads will lead to God, but not necessarily to heaven. All roads will lead to the judgment seat of God. And one road and one road only will lead past that into eternal bliss with God. Every week Christians around our world say these words. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And I presume most people fall into one of those two categories so Christians believe and say on a weekly basis everyone is going to be judged I don't know whether you can remember as far back as the millennium and the dome in uh, Greenwich and the um, the faith zone there as part of that exhibition I can remember hearing um, one of my favorite preachers David Paulson saying that he'd visited that exhibition and and actually although it was a very pluralist thing 
uh, he was quite impressed with the way that it had dealt with Christianity and in particular with the resurrection of Jesus, which really doesn't fit in our uh, modernist age. But he said, no, the resurrection was very clearly there. Christians believe this. And, and all in all, it was a good and fair account. But he said, um, there should, however, have been one last panel in that exhibition which says Jesus is coming back to judge Mohammed. Jesus is coming back to judge Buddha and all the rest, the living and the dead. And whatever path people have followed in life, they're going to end up before the judgment seat of God and their eternal fate, Christianity believes, will be decided on their response to Jesus Christ. So in that sense, yes, all roads do lead to God. But let me end with a little story, and you, you may know it. This is from C.S. Lewis's uh, The Last Battle, the, the final one of his Narnia books. And it's the story of Emeth, who has given all his life to serving the false god Tash, the Satan figure. But then he meets Aslan. Then I fell at his feet and, and thought, surely this is the hour of death. For the lion, who is worthy of all honour, will know that I have served Tash all my days and not him. Nevertheless, it is better to see the lion and die than to live and not to have seen him. But the glorious one bent down his golden head and touched my forehead with his tongue and said, Son, thou art welcome. But I said, Alas, Lord, I am no son of thine, but the servant of Tash. He answered, Child, all the service thou hast done to Tash, I account as service done to me. Then I overcame my fear and questioned the glorious one and said, Lord, is it then true that thou and Tash are one? The lion growled so that the earth shook, but his wrath was not against me, and said, It is false, not because he and I are one, but because we are opposites. I take to me the services which thou hast done to him. For I and he are of such different kinds that no service which is vile can be done to me, and none which is not vile can be done to him. Therefore, if any man swear by Tash and keep his oath, for the oath's sake, it is by me that he has truly sworn, though he know it not, and it is I who reward him. And if any man do a cruelty in my name, then, though he says the name Aslan, it is Tash whom he serves, and by Tash his deed is accepted. Dost thou understand, child? I said, Lord, thou knowest how much I understand. But I said also, yet I have been seeking Tash all my days. Beloved, said the glorious one, unless thy desire had been for me, thou wouldst not have sought so long and so truly. For all find, 
what they truly seek. And then MF continues, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. C.S. Lewis suggests there that, that when they see Jesus face to face, there will be many sincere followers of other paths who suddenly realise, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I've been uh, groping after. Uh, and other religions may have given glimpses, but now I can see fully, this is true, this is real, this is what... I've been looking for without knowing it. I find that a really helpful picture. Anyway, next week we'll look in more detail at how postmodern religion works as we consider the new age. <laughs>